0: When Lisa was nine and a half, she went to camp. And while she was there, she wrote a letter.
1: Dear Mom, I can't wait to come home. And it isn't because I want my dog. It's because I hate it here. (laughs)
0: That's Lisa reading from a letter she wrote home from camp in 1979. And this, well, this is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids is an open mic where brave adults share the weird, wonderful, and sometimes bittersweet things they wrote when they were younger. This time recorded live at Fog Lounge in Windsor, Ontario, we have hot dog obsessions, Canada-US relations, and we learn what it's like to fall madly in love with a waiter. Sometimes, if you want to figure out who you are, it can help to remember who you were. So think about the stuff you wrote when you were a kid, and stick around. The word nostalgia at its root comes from the Greek words for pain and homecoming. Literally, nostalgia is a painful aching desire to return home. Now, Lisa, who we heard from just a minute ago, Lisa felt nostalgia in the truest sense of that word. Here she is, reading the rest of her letter home from camp.
1: I hate Tawny Owl. Tawny Owl and Brown Owl are, of course, the brownie, the leaders, the camp leaders. Almost all the brownies want to go home. The guys have more fun than the brownies. I might buy you a t-shirt. Tawny Owl said, if you talk too loud, we can't go swimming. I want to come home so bad. I just took a break from writing this letter and I bought some things at the tuck shop. I bought a t-shirt for me. (laughs) Two crests, a bug for my hat, and a pin. And I bought three stamps. Can you believe my camera doesn't work? I can. I didn't get you a t-shirt because I don't know your size. I miss you a lot. We have a flagpole in our campsite. The flags are brown owls and tawny owls bras. Jody keeps saying I want to go swimming at Grandma Jobin's. I want to come home. This cabin is so stuffy. It's boiling hot. I made lots of friends. I love you a lot. I wrote to Grandma Harrison. After I write to you, I'm gonna write to my dad. How are my fish? I hope they're okay, in capitals. We haven't even used our insect repellent yet. We can only use it when brown owl says to and she didn't say so yet. I'll see you on Saturday. Loads of love. Lisa.
0: We recorded this episode of Grown Ups Read Things Divert as Kids in Windsor, Ontario. And as Canadian cities go... Windsor is an interesting one, in part because of just how close it is to the United States. Windsor is a border town, and that had a big impact on some of the kids who grew up there. Here's Blair reading a short story she wrote in grade one that highlights her childhood imagination and her childhood fear of the United States. It's called Terry's Bad Day and Bad Life.
2: Terry was a grade 6 at St. James School in the United States. Every night when she went to bed, it would be a miracle if she didn't hear more than 12 burglar alarms every two hours. She lived in apartment B on the 18th floor. She had her thoughts about mostly being in a different country. Her beautiful, sparkling, bright golden hair and her blue eyes made her stand out. She wanted to be a model when she grew up. On an early Friday afternoon, Terry and her classmates heard a gunshot. Bang, bang, boom. The teacher instructed her students to stay down. When Terry got home, her dad was not there like he used to be. All who was there was her mom. She was laughing for no reason. Oh no, thought Terry. Mom forces herself to laugh when somebody dies. (laughs) But then her mom started crying. I, I, stuttered Terry's mom. I... Got a job at Harvey's. (laughs) Oh yeah, way to go, Mom. We'll be moving to Canada. That's where my job is. Where's Dad? Terry asked. Ah, honey, he already went to Canada, and he bought a house. (laughs) This house. Illustration. Said Terry's mom as she showed Terry a picture of the house. They hugged. In Canada, Terry got a model job at the mall, $2 each hour. Each hour. The whole family was happy. <laughs> Even the dad, he got a job at his favorite store, Ladywear. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, Blair, she expressed her conflicted feelings about the United States by creating short fiction. But our next reader, Sean, Sean chose a different outlet, a letter to the editor of the Windsor Star.
3: Uh, Carrying on the theme of anti-Americanism and paranoia, (laughs) um, I wrote a letter to the Windsor Star called Not Happy with Americans. (laughs) It's it's a Windsor thing. (laughs) Love, hate, love, hate. Um, Sir, I am 13 years old, and I'm in grade 7 at St. Peter's School in Tecumseh. I am not very happy with what Americans have been saying about us Canadians. For example, I was listening to the radio a few weeks ago and the DJ had people call in to tell him their complaints. One girl called in and said, the other day I called in to wear a pair of concert tickets and this idiot from Windsor beat me. Can you believe it? All they can speak there is French. The DJ kept agreeing with her. On the Cosby show, one of the girls said that she was freezing because of the Arctic air from Canada. We have to tell those Yankees that we are just like them, only better. Sean, Sean McCall to come see.
0: After the show, out in the parking lot, Sean reflected on growing up so close to the border.
3: Yeah, I think, I think America is always this thing that's always looming under Canada. Um, it's the thing we bounce all our politics off and our culture off. But in Windsor, um, the relationship is personal, right? We have, we have, growing up here, we had friends in Detroit, we had family members in Detroit. So all those kind of like vague notions of Canadian versus America, it becomes very personal here and and, and, and very much an everyday thing. So um, it's worthwhile paying attention to Windsor and Detroit um, because I think it can kind of like translate to the rest of the country.
0: One very common theme at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids is unrequited love. Growing up, a lot of us fell for somebody who just didn't feel the same way. And that was certainly true for our next reader. When Nancy was 15, most of her romantic feelings were not only unrequited, but you might say they were also a little bit misdirected. Here's Nancy reading from the diary she kept, when she was 15.
4: I had never had a boyfriend. You might understand why when I'm done this. Um, And I had this tendency to have huge crushes on teachers and older adults, like gym teachers, English teachers, my friends' uncles, men I met at funerals, like anyone. September 14th. Tonight was probably one of the best nights of my life. Amy's birthday is tomorrow, and a group of us went out for dinner at Bubby's. I prayed that something, even something small, would happen while the waiter happened. More specifically, Paul happened. Is love at first sight really possible? After tonight, I think it is. He was so good looking and so nice, and I know it's his job, but not all waiters are nice. There are a couple of pictures of him and I'm in one. I intend to get copies made. Everyone there thinks I'm just hot for him, but really, he's not even my type. He's blonde, and I don't usually go for blondes. I asked him if I came back for my birthday, would he be my waiter, and he told me what days he worked. I will definitely go. P-A-U-L. Who would have ever believed that four such plain letters could make such a wonderful thing? September 15th. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. I only saw him for one night for a total of about 10 minutes. I can't be in love. In lust, maybe, but not love, but I am in love. I feel it in every fiber of my being. I don't care what other people say. I know how I feel. I wrote a poem about him today. It's called An Explanation of Love. I can't say it's the best poem I've ever written, but I think it's pretty good. It definitely came straight from my heart. I hope that that's conveyed to the reader, but since I haven't shown anyone yet, I can't be sure. So this is an explanation of love. Just moments ago, I was in complete control, but then I saw your face. Heard the deep and wonderfully masculine tone of your voice and forgot everything else. It is as though the world around me has dissolved into nothingness and you have taken its place. You are the sun, the moon, the stars, anything that I will ever need. My hands tremble. My heart beats rapidly within my chest. I belong to you now, forever. Um, September 17th. Paul. I can't get him out of my mind. I've been walking around smiling like a bloody idiot all day. I love the way it feels to be in love and not have to worry about falling for a totally ridiculous person. I like telling people and not feeling embarrassed. I love to say his name, Paul. Today I was doing my French homework. I was pretty well absorbed when I came across a question that used the name Paul. I stopped completely, circled it, and just stared at it for a while. I've taken to calling him my Paul. I know it's a tad too possessive, but I think it has a wonderful sound to it. I was born to say that phrase. Thank you.
5: One more time for Nancy, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Really, I was pretty, pretty, a pretty naive kid, right? And. I just thought there was a sincerity to it.
0: Yeah. it there's, there's an earnest nature to a lot of this stuff. Like, kids feel things very strongly and, <laughs> and very, very deeply.
4: Well, it's this totally complete and whole kind of feeling and I think that that goes away as you get older. But when you're young and you see someone and you decide, this is the one, it really is the one and you, you see your whole future spread out before you and all the beautiful things that are going to happen and you believe it. You really, really get it when you're that age in a way that as you get older, you don't believe as, as much as quickly as you do when you're young.
0: So you are not with the waiter today?
4: No, no, I'm not with Paul. I I hope he's having a great life somewhere.
0: Nancy was not the only reader at our Windsor show who felt unrequited love. Here's Alice, reading first from her elementary school journal and then from a book of poems she wrote around the same time.
6: Just a little backstory. I was choreographing a Christmas concert for our school, and, and I was madly in love with this, this guy, Bryce, who I was in love with all of elementary school, and I don't think he once ever felt the same way. But I thought the magical way we would fall in love was if I made him my dance partner. <laughs> um, so that's all you need <laughs> November 27th. Today was good and bad. The good part was that Bryce and I are dance partners for Christmas. Everything is magical and happiness. The bad part is that Sarah is so mean, I know that she wants to steal my rep, and she wants to steal my crush, and she says that I can't dance. But now I can show her I can dance, and I'm really good, and that Bryce is mine. (laughs) The second bad thing is that I'm scared. I'm scared that when we call our partners, no, everyone will laugh and make mean remarks. I really like Bryce, and I just wish he liked me back. I hope he will. Well, I want my first kiss with him, so when I leave elementary school, I'll feel some closure. (laughs) I'm depressed. (laughs) A lot of kids at school said mean remarks about my hair. Oh, and, get this, Marie is mad at me, and I don't know why. So I'm really confused. I've got to go dance. (laughs) And later on in the saga of Bryce, November 31st. Is grade 6 too young to start dating? Maybe I'll get Katie to ask Zach to ask Bryce if he likes me. (laughs) Man, I'm so confused. But I don't want to go to my mom right now, because they're watching a movie. I have really strong hormones right now. I don't even know what hormones are. I really need to talk to my mom. Um, this is uh, my, my dear mother pa, sort of bound at Staples, this, this book, Poems of Life. Um, and I dedicated it to A.A. Milne and my family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called fairies fairies come fairies go fairies flutter here I know fairies 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 they're quiet I like fairies <laughs>
0: <laughs> poetry is always popular at grown-ups read things they wrote as kids And some poems, like the one Alice wrote about fairies, are pretty cute. And others, they're a bit darker. Here's Vanessa reading a poem she wrote when she was 12.
7: In my sleep. On my pillow, I rest my head, trying to forget the things that people said. I close my eyes to the darkness of my room, storing in the back of my mind all the gloom. Words cannot hurt me, I try to tell myself, but they do, and I don't want to hear them. I need help. Then I see lines moving about, and I get tired of thinking of hatred and doubt. And I dream of mountains and flowers and songs, of laughing and fantasies all night long. In my sleep, I try to erase the way my lips curve downwards the frown on my face. V.B. 1992 and here's a note from my teacher. How about some happy poetry? <laughs> Your life isn't that doom and gloom! Exclamation! <laughs> Thank you.
0: One of the things I love most about Grown Ups Read the Things They Wrote As Kids is the range of stuff that people bring. We hear little kid writing and angsty teen writing. We get all different styles and formats. But what all of this stuff has in common is that it's personal, it's intimate, and often it's very, very private. And I think that act of taking something private and making it public can be scary, but it can also be incredibly powerful. When Rebecca was 17, she kept a journal. And in the entry you're about to hear, she vented about her stepfather, who was an alcoholic. A quick note here, Rebecca wrote this when she was 17 and angry. And it includes the kind of language you use when you are 17 and angry. In other words, strong language. Here's Rebecca.
8: This is so much fun. I'm laughing my head off like everybody else is here, but this is not funny. (laughs) So... Like, not even a little bit. I didn't always title my journal entries, but I did this one. Um, My my Stepfather, the Living Murderer of Life. 1989. I came very close to telling my stepfather where to go. He is the most selfish, unkind, empty-hearted, ill-tempered, egotistical scum-of-the-earth human being on this earth. He is a bastard... He is godless. How could you allow him to become my stepfather? I don't think I can forgive you for this unbearable torture that I must endure. Even if my mother ever divorces that son of a bitch, I will always look back on these days as living death. Living death, capital L-D. Last night at, my, at the dinner table, I asked if he could tape the Natalia Makarova ballet special on TV for me. He blows up. What have you ever done for me, Rebecca? What have you ever done for me? I make you drinks, I said. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he said the rare drink here and there, but you never help in the garden and you never take out the garbage. And he goes on and on and on and on and on. The hell with that asshole. He notices nothing. I even polish his goddamn dresser. God, if you're wondering, I'll save you the trouble of asking. What the hell has he ever done for me? Yeah, what? He's caused my sister and me misery. That's what. That walking asshole is misery. Oh, I hate him. He belongs on a hot island, so hot he'd burst into flames and combust. But he doesn't stop. So this girl at your ballet school, she's a lot better than you, isn't she? That's why you won't talk about her. You're just jealous. Why why do you continue to dance? You know you're hopeless at it. You'll never be famous, and you'll never be anything. You'll only make it as a flight attendant. What else could you possibly be? He's on a roll. He says I don't have a brain, and at this point I want to bloody well hang him from his toenails. If I pray for anything, it's that he rots in hell and meets his master, the devil. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. When I say bottom, I mean bottom because that is how much I hate him. I hate him with a passion, a passion, a passion, a passion. My stepfather is a bastard, a bastard, a bastard, a bastard, a bastard. Help those who come within his reach. Help me.
0: Rebecca wrote that when she was 17. Her mom divorced her stepfather two years later, and Rebecca hasn't seen him since. Today, Rebecca's in her 40s, and she teaches writing. Imagine there's a 17-year-old listening to this. They've just heard what you wrote and is in maybe a similar situation. What do you say to them?
8: Well, if they hear it and they're not writing, I hope it encourages them to write. Um, Sometimes kids feel very powerless and you can't speak up to, you know, the the rulers in your home, whether it's your mother or your father. And so writing really is an outlet to do that. Um, So I hope it encourages them to write. And if they already are writing and they hear it, I hope it just encourages them to keep on writing.
0: Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Earlier, we heard a little bit about obsessions, romantic obsessions. And I think when you're a kid, it's easy to become maybe not obsessed, but to get really, really, really into something. That could be a romantic interest, but it could also be a toy or a movie. Kids' interests may be short-lived, but they are laser-focused. Our next reader, Kate, brought along a series of journal entries that show a time in her life when she was six years old and really, really into hot dogs. Yes, hot dogs.
9: Today, I brought in a hot dog order. It was for one sewer cream chips and one one plain chips. I don't need any money because my mom has a coupon. (laughs) Now we're back to school on the 26th. Tomorrow is hot dog day. I am getting a hot dog. I like hot dogs. Hot dogs are good. Uh, And now we're on the 27th. Guess what day it is? (laughs) Today is hot dog day. (laughs) Exclamation mark. My mom only packed me a juice box and a snack. Because I am getting a hot dog. (laughs) And chips.
0: Now here's a fun fact. Kate has been a vegetarian since she was 12. Our next reader, Dan, brought along a few journal entries from a point in his life when he was, in his own words, an angst-ridden, closeted teenager in denial. Now, one of my favorite things about Dan's journal is that in addition to writing about his life, he also used it to keep track of the music he was listening to. So after every entry, you get to hear a bit of the soundtrack he had on while writing the journal. Now, heads up, Dan's journal does include cuss words. Actually, quite a few cuss words. And he read them on stage, verbatim. Here's Dan.
10: I'm I'm, I'm a member of the LGBT community, and I'm gay. But um, I wrote this as, like, a heterosexual teen. And I I was your typical gay kid. I mean, I liked Madonna. I had, like, all-girlfriends. But I was sleeping with all of them. (laughs) It was, And I really, really did convince myself that um, I was madly in love with all these women, and maybe I was, part of me was, but what struck me was this one in particular. It's a poem that I wrote. Um, This would have been, I would have been about 16 years old. Oh, Danny boy. My name is so different. Danny, Danny boy. So much more magnificent. Danny, Danny, Danny boy. Let me come through. Danny, 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 Danny boy. So for once, I can be you. And then I critiqued myself. I said, honestly, I do not know how or why I write things like that down. It's like I get a new taste for a type of poetry unlike the kinds I normally write. Actually, I know exactly how and why I do this. I just don't want to admit it to myself by writing it down on this paper. Song, Madonna, Hanky Panky. I so have two more little quick ones here, which... Or a bit about some some of my girl troubles. This is uh, June 1st, 1996. Okay. Hi. Actually, it's now June 2nd, Sunday, since it's like 2 a.m. in the morning. Went to prom, became second runner-up for King. Sylvia looked nice, got pretty drunk, pretty high. No, me and Sylvia didn't fuck, you pervs. (laughs) Anyway, I was depressed last night. I realized that I'm so hopelessly in love with Christine, I do not know if I'll be able to function without her. And she has a boyfriend, and I don't know if I can fucking take it. Song 911 is a Joke by Duran Duran. June 11th, 1996. I realized today my life will never be easy. It's like an ABBA song SOS. You'll never believe something. Tomorrow is my last day of high school. I have three exams tomorrow, but tomorrow is my last day of scheduled classes in high school. I'm done, done, university time. God, am I really ready? All those movies I used to watch in grade school, like Pretty in Pink or Some Kind of Wonderful, were about a time I thought I would never reach. Now, wham, bam, boom, I'm done. It's all over. I had so many good times, and I cried a lot, too. I look back now, and already I realize that even though some of my hardest times, I had one fuck of a ball. A great old time. I'm I'm in pain right now but there is one last chance to live all the things I never had the chance to this summer my last summer as a teenager then I'll grow up I'm gonna party and drink and smoke weed and fuck someone and fall in love with someone new then then I'll be in plays and movies and I'll be on TV and the radio sounds like a movie eh? well that's the entire story of my fucking life (laughs) it will not be normal no shit Daniel Alfred Augustin McDonald song Susanna Hoff's Boys Keep Swinging
0: After the show, Dan told me it had been a long time since he last looked at his journals, but that getting ready for our Windsor show was a good reminder of why he holds on to them.
10: They're kept in a a big waterproof tote and... uh, And even when I yanked it open, I could smell certain smells that I hadn't smelled since, like, the prom and stuff, you know what I mean? Like, it was really, really bizarre, just that smell of my bedroom as a kid, and there were tapes in there and stuff, and it's just, that that to me is like, it's as good as time travel, and I think that's why I keep it, it really is kind of like time travel.
0: And that is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at Fog Lounge in Windsor, Ontario. Our music is by Poddington Bear. And if you want to find out when we are coming to your town for a live show, or sign up for our email newsletter, or listen to past episodes, you can do all of that at our website, Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids dot com. And also at the website, we made a playlist of the songs Dan mentioned in his journal, so you can listen along to the soundtrack of his angsty teen years. You can find that right now at grown com, Or even easier, just look at your device right now. We put links to all of this stuff right there in the show notes in this episode. So you should be able to see them in whatever podcast app you are using. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.